Welcome to the Beware the Stampede podcast. I'm your announcer for today, Jeremy Grethel, and let's get ready for kickoff. First thing I want to do is thank all of you for listening to the inaugural episode of the Beware the Stampede podcast. Obviously, this has been something that we've been working on here as the season has started and finally got released. Not as soon as we would have liked, but happy with where it's going and it's going to continue to get better week after week. So, first of all, thank you for listening in. Thank you for all of your support through Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, the website. Please keep it coming. Any thoughts, concerns, criticism, by all means, please pass it along. We'll be putting some polls up on Twitter to get some of your feedback, which is important because we want to make sure that we're giving you guys the content the way you want it, when you want it. So please make sure you fill those out as you see those because we do take that information into account when we're going to be putting this together to make sure we're doing what you guys want to be hearing about and talking about and when you want to get it. So with that being said, I also want to take a quick moment to thank Joe from Believer's Talk, who we've partnered with this year in 2019 to bring some more great media content to you guys. Uh, You've probably seen his videos on the website. If you're not following him, please follow him on Twitter at Believer's Talk. And you can also, and please do, subscribe to him on YouTube at Believer's Talk as he is part of the Team Stampede family. So for that, I thank you. And first of all, let's kind of break down the Redskins game in what happened last week. I don't think anyone was surprised by the result. 24-9 win. We wouldn't have expected anything less with a rookie quarterback starting against our elite defense this year. So that I was pretty pleased with. There were some good things. There were some bad things. You guys know most of them. So I don't want to get into too much of that and rehash everything you guys have already heard. We've already discussed. So I'm going to keep it kind of brief. Haskins, 15-22 to for 144 yards. Completed his first six passes. Exactly what you want out of your rookie quarterback. You want him to come in, not make any mistakes, not do anything too crazy, just kind of roll with it. And he did a good job of that. He obviously had some help. Adrian Peterson went off for 108 yards on 18 touches, had over 100 yards in the first half. Obviously, the Bills then bobbled him up after making some adjustments at halftime, which was key. We need to look at our offense and make some adjustments, I think. We only had 95 yards in the second half, 268 total for the game, 122 came via rush, 146 passing. That was pretty solid as far as the balance goes. I wasn't happy with the overall yards. I would have liked to see more against a team that's been struggling this year. I think we certainly could have put up more. I'm not in the camp that everyone, uh, a lot of people have been talking about with Josh Allen needing 300 yards. I don't care if Josh Allen throws for 300 yards. And a lot of you may disagree with me on this. The reason being, what I care most about, and I think a lot of you will agree when you hear this point, if you don't already, is I want someone that can manage the game. That's his job. He's a field general when he's out there. And his job is to manage the team and manage the game effectively, which means making smart plays and not making turnovers. And those have been things he's had to work on this year. And he's done a very good job of fixing some of those issues. As far as the turnovers part goes, he hasn't had any in the past three games. He didn't put up fantastic numbers in the Redskins game because he didn't have to. If you look at his numbers from the Redskins game, I mean, he went 14 of 20 for 160 yards and a touchdown. And then he had eight rushes for 12 yards and a touchdown. So he had two touchdowns, 160 yards. Yeah, that's not a ton. But if you don't need to, then don't. I'm not saying he isn't going to need to put up some higher numbers from time to time because he's going to have to. And This is something we can talk about with this week against the Browns. And I think one of the things he really needs to work on focusing is actually throwing downfield more. Obviously, his accuracy, people have had some questions about and his downfield accuracy but they're gonna have to start extending the field a little bit more and again maybe he gets a 300 yard game because 
we get a 60, 70 yard pay downfield to John Brown. But I don't think it's necessary for them to be a competitive team to win the game. You don't have to have 300 yard games. We've seen quarterbacks throw for 400 yards before and end up losing games because it turns into a shootout. So there's no guarantee that by putting up 300 yards, you're going to win. All I care about, manage the game, do it effectively, don't make turnovers. If you can do that, you're going to win a lot of games, and I'll take that any given day over a 300-yard passer. So as far as the Redskins game goes, it was great to see Singletary finally break out. I've been wondering when this was going to happen, now that he was back from injury. Obviously, in the Eagles game, we didn't see nearly the amount of touches that I would have expected to see, or at least the production based on the amount of touches he had during that game. So for the Redskins game, for him to go off for 23 touches with 95 yards rushing, 45 yards receiving, a rushing touchdown, it was pretty solid. 4.8 yards per carry, great number. Obviously, you know, you're giving him the ball. Three times, you're getting a first down. Frank Gore, obviously, was much more limited in action. He only had 11 attempts for 15 yards. I'm not surprised by this. Frank Gore is a great running back, don't get me wrong. He's an ageless wonder, but he's obviously going to have his production kind of taken down a little bit. He's an older player. He's going to have wear and tear on him, even though he's in fantastic shape and has continued to produce year after year. As in the past 14 seasons, he's led every team he's played for in rushing. So certainly we know he can get the job done. But you also have Singletary, who you're going to have for a couple of years. Gore at the end of the year, we don't know what's going to happen. Is he going to retire? Are the Bills going to look at resigning him? Who can say? But Singletary can certainly be in every down back. They're finally getting him the touches that he's worthy of and, and showing the production that he can have when he's getting those touches if he's healthy. Other than that, um, you know, it looked good. Uh, John Brown had 76 yards on four receptions. Uh, 25 yards was his longest one, so that was pretty good. And yeah, I think overall the game went pretty well. We didn't make any major mistakes. We didn't do as much as I would have liked on offense from what the score shows, but we limited the Redskins again to no touchdowns. Unfortunately for the Redskins, they've been struggling mightily with trying to score any sort of touchdowns at this point, but some of the good things to take away with, we won. Allen didn't have any turnovers. Singletary looked great, and the defense made the adjustments you need to see in the second half when we're going to be playing a team such as the Browns this week. So... Let's go ahead and talk about the Browns. So this week we get to play the Cleveland Browns, where you've got the Bills at 6-2, and two, where the media at the beginning of the year thought we maybe win six games if we were lucky, and everyone is expecting the Cleveland Browns to be the next Super Bowl contenders and Baker Mayfield to be the MVP of the league. Well, it's clearly a dumpster fire in Cleveland at the moment. It's just been nothing short of a disaster where personalities are really starting to come through in the locker room with the frustrations. Baker Mayfield shaving in the middle of the game to try and fix his juju that he's got going on there. And even though they're 2-6, and six, they're probably the best 2-6 and six team that you could find. On paper, they've got a ton of talent. On the field, they're a train wreck. This week's going to be even more interesting because now you get Kareem Hunt coming back from his eight-game suspension. So while you've got the fourth-leading rusher in the league with Nick Chubb, who's currently got 803 yards rushing with six touchdowns, in a 5.2 yard per carry average. And then you throw on Kareem Hunt, who's coming back from his eight-game suspension this week. So now you've got the fourth-leading rusher in the NFL and Kareem Hunt, who, as we know with Kansas City, was basically a stud running back. Uh, he's obviously dangerous with his legs from rushing the ball and also during the screen passes when he catch it out of the backfield. So Freddie Kitchens has said that he is going to have Hunt utilized in the game plan this week. We just don't know how it's going to be done and how much is going to be done. The Bills, in an effort to try and help the run defense, went ahead and got Corey Lugit this week from San Diego. He's also going to be utilized this week, and the Bills haven't stated how much or when he's going to be in the game. But there is a game plan for him, and I suspect to see him see a decent amount of snaps. 
He's had some time to work with the team, so obviously we need to make sure we're containing that run because the Bills have obviously had a problem doing that. Past two games, we've given up 11 runs of 10 yards or more. The first six games, we only gave up 20 runs of 10 yards or more, and we've had 11 in the past two. So we obviously know this has been a problem. We've seen that be a problem. And really, it's the past game and a half we've given up 11 because let's not forget, Adrian Peterson the second half only had, what, eight, nine yards? Entire second half. So really, that's through a game and a half we've had 11 runs of 10 yards or more. So this is clearly a problem. And with the running backs that Cleveland has, this could cause us some serious problems if we can't bottle that up quickly. The last thing we want to do is get stuck getting gashed for another 200 yards rushing, which potentially opens up Baker Mayfield to make plays downfield uh, to Jarvis Landry or Odell Beckham Jr. Odell Beckham Jr. is going to have a hard time, though, because he's going to be shadowed by Tredavious White. And as we know, he is leading in passer rating against. So, You're taking some chances if you're thrown to Odell Beckham Jr. Coming in, everyone thought he was going to be the hot ticket, and Baker Mayfield was going to put up all these crazy numbers, and so was Odell Beckham Jr. because it was going to be this new fantastic duo, and that just hasn't happened at all. In fact, Baker Mayfield's having a terrible year. At this point of the year, he's only got 1,983 yards. He's only completing 58.7% of his passes, 7 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, leading the NFL in interceptions. So clearly their passing is very, very suspect at this point. They're going to have to rely on the run to get them going to try and open the game downfield. And you take a lot of chances with a very dangerous secondary that the Bills have. So first thing with the Browns game this week, for the injury report, completely clean. There's nobody on it for the Bills. So we don't have any backups in. We don't have any holes we have to fill. We don't have anything to worry about as far as that goes. So God forbid something happens, we've at least got the proper backups in place. So that puts us in a great position right out of the gate before the kickoff even starts. Plus, we're playing a team with a highly suspect defense. The Browns ranked basically near the bottom of the league in pretty much every category, with the exception of pass defense. Their pass defense is actually ranked 6th in the league, giving up 216.2 yards per game. But I think that's a very skewed statistic because they typically are behind in these games, which is why they're 2-6, and six, first of all. So most of those teams, at the end of the game, are grinding out the clock. They're just rushing the ball to take time off the clock and keep the time of possession. That, I think, is a very skewed number when you look at the rest of their statistical categories. For their rushing defense, they're actually 30th in the league. They give up 141.2 yards per game, which is great for the Bills when you've got Devin Singletary because Motor's been tearing it up lately, uh, as we've seen in the past game and a half and you've got Frank Orr who's a future Hall of Fame running back who is a very serviceable running back at 36 going into his 15th season and has led every team he's been on in rushing yards and honestly this might be the year that that doesn't happen because if the if the touches continue the way they are and Singletary keeps producing the way he is it's very possible that this could be the year that Gore doesn't lead his team in rushing yards. Not saying it's going to happen, just something that I'm curious to see as the season progresses, if he's going to or not, because it's never happened. So I'm just curious to see if this future Hall of Fame running back has that streak broken, Uh, but it'll be something interesting to see. The Browns also are 23rd in the league, giving up 25.6 points per game. They're very vulnerable to giving up points, and I think this is a good opportunity for the Bills to put quite a few points on the board. I think if we score over 24, we should win this game. I really hope we aren't giving up more than that, and that would put them just below their average. The Browns are also really good 
at putting themselves in terrible positions because they're worst in the league in penalties at 9.4. So what does that mean for the Bills? A lot of free plays, a lot of free yards. What's really good about this team in a situation like that against the Browns who do that to themselves is the Browns force themselves to self-destruct and the Bills are an incredibly efficient offense if you look at the way they play because Josh Allen doesn't have a 300-yard passing game. He doesn't need to have a 300-yard passing game. And yet we're 6-2. and two. So we're running a very efficient offense. So if you give a team like the Bills that are efficient like that, those types of opportunities, more than likely, they're going to take advantage of that and they're going to put the points on the board. Now, how good are we are putting points on the board when we're in the red zone? If you watched Joe from Believer's Talk earlier this week in his breakdown, we're actually first in the league at red zone, red zone touchdown efficiency. It's 71.43. And you think that's good. It gets better. Where it gets better is we're better on the road. And we're not just a little better, we're a lot better. We're so much better that on the road, we're first in the league with a 87.5% red zone touchdown efficiency. So if we're on the road and we're in the red zone, we're basically scoring a touchdown. And when you have that type of a team that can do that kind of damage, and you've got a team that gives up a lot of penalties, that's a bad recipe if you're the Browns for this game. And if the Browns continue to self-destruct by giving the penalties and the yards to the Bills and we get in the red zone, we're going to put the points on the board. And the points on the board, all we got to do is have more than the other team. I'll take whatever we can get as long as we're winning the game. But there's a couple things we also have to be careful of. One is Miles Garrett. He's got 10 sacks on the year so far. We know he's going to be coming for Josh Allen. Got to find a way to neutralize Miles Garrett. I want. I, I would like to see Allen throw downfield a little bit more. Take a few more chances here and there. The Browns are going to give you the opportunities to do it. They're going to take the penalties. You're going to get some free shots. So take them. Throw it downfield to John Brown or Foster McKenzie, whoever's going to be in the game. Take the shots downfield, see what we can do. It's worth it because if we can extend the field, that's going to help. Not because I want Josh Allen to put up 350 yards. If he does, great. But because I think if we can get a few of those deep throws, it's going to force the line to step back a little bit in the linebackers, and it's hopefully going to free up Josh Allen some more. That, I think, was one of the problems we had against the Patriots and Van Noy was that we weren't able to stretch the field. That did not put Allen in a good position because they were able to, to go after him a lot more. By able to stretch the field, work the run a little bit more, I think that's going to give Allen a better chance to avoid a Miles Garrett confrontation, if you will. The other thing is Josh Allen making the smart decisions. We've seen him continue to progress, which is what we've all been hoping for, and he's really made some strides the past couple weeks, and I'm really excited about this. If you look at his numbers from the past four games, they've been fantastic. He's had seven touchdowns to one interception, 750 yards, and 100.45 quarterback rating which would put him in the top 10 if you took that through the season. Now, obviously, that's not been the case. We've had a couple rough games in the beginning. But if you look at those past four games and how he's continued to progress, that gives us a good idea of kind of the trend that he's headed. The funny thing about this is now 750 yards in four games. So that's less than 200 yards a game. He's passed for 219 yards against Tennessee. 202 against Miami, 169 against Philly, which he had two touchdowns in that game, and 160 against Washington. So he's not throwing tons. I mean, he's not lighting it up throwing, but he's being efficient. And that's really what you want at the end of the day. I don't care if he's going out there and putting up 400 yards for losing games. It's not going to help. I want a guy that's going to go out there and be efficient in what he's doing. So go out there, throw for 200 yards and a touchdown and rush for a touchdown every game if we're winning the games. I don't care. I'll take that. Allen needs to continue to make smart decisions. 
don't give the ball away. Don't throw the interceptions. Don't get the fumbles. If you're going to run, give yourself up. Don't grind out for the extra yards if you don't have to because we don't need you getting hurt again. Just be smart with it. Limit the turnovers, and that's going to be key. You know, if you, if you look at Baker Mayfield, it's just funny to me to look at whatever in thought of Baker Mayfield when he was drafted number one overall and how he was going to be the savior of Cleveland, and Cleveland is still very much Cleveland at the moment. If you look at the five five quarterbacks taken, Lamar Jackson right now is ranked highest at 13 with the highest quarterback rating of those five quarterbacks. Then you've got Josh Allen at 26, Baker Mayfield at 31, and Sam Darnold at 32. And Josh Rosen's not even on there because Josh Rosen's not even playing right now because he's benched in Miami behind Ryan Fitzpatrick, who continues to bounce around the league and is apparently a better quarterback than Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold, and Baker Mayfield, everyone touted, were the most NFL-ready quarterbacks to come into the draft, and they were going to make an immediate impact. Well, they've made an impact. I wouldn't necessarily say it's in the right way, but they've made an impact. And now you see Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen are the guys that are excelling in the league. And what's funny is, if you look at these teams, and you look at the teams around them, they have really done a good job at putting complementary pieces for these teams to succeed. Because you look at Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson, he, he's dual threat. We all know that. He's, you know, your uh, Michael Vick, your Donovan McNabb, Dante Culpepper. You know, those, those big mobile quarterbacks. Granted, I think he has a short shelf life if he keeps this up. And he's going to have to be careful about that. But you look at what they've built around him. They brought in Mark Ingram from the Saints to help him with a running game to take some of that pressure off. And he's got pieces around him. Josh Allen, same thing. Last year, we didn't really have the receivers that we needed. This year, they went ahead. They got Frank Gore. They drafted another running back. We got Devin Singletary. You know, we got rid of uh, LaShawn McCoy. I'm okay with that. Obviously, for the money that we were paying him, I liked him, but we were paying him a lot of money. Did I think that he was going to get better production? Was he going to be worth that extra money that we're getting out of the production now? I don't think so. So I don't think that was a bad move. But you bring in those guys. You bring in a true slot receiver in Cole Beasley. You bring in John Brown, who's a fast downfield threat. And all of a sudden, you've got a lot of complementary pieces around him that are supporting him. And even tight ends. You know, you bring in Tyler Croft. Now, granted, he's been hurt. He hasn't really filled that role that we've been looking for yet. But if you look at what his capabilities are and, and what we're expecting of him, his expectations, he's probably going to fill in that role quite nicely once he gets more ingrained into the offense. It's funny how you see these teams develop and how these quarterbacks that everyone thought weren't going to be nearly as good are all of a sudden excelling, and the ones that everyone thought were going to be the money picks are now regressing, and you can see the turmoil in their teams. So it's just kind of funny to see how that happens with quarterbacks in particular. I think any position you can say that, but I think when you're a quarterback, you certainly have more visibility, and I think it's shown, and that's just because you're the field general. You're the guy out there leading the team. And people are seeing that. So you're the one that's usually scrutinized more than anybody else because the play starts with you every time. You know, it's being handed off to you. Other, okay, other than the center, if you want to be super technical because they're touching the ball every single time as well. But aside from that, it's the quarterback. You know, they're getting the ball every time and they're deciding most of the time what's going on out on the field. Josh Allen, well done. Keep it up. If you keep playing these games like you have been, uh, I think you've got, you know, a good successful career ahead of you. I mean, the other interesting thing was is that last week with his passing and rushing touchdown, Josh Allen is now, along with Steve Grogan, Cam Newton, and Dak Prescott, is the only players to have at least 20 passing touchdowns and 12 rushing touchdowns over their first two seasons in NFL history. The crazy thing about this is is that Josh Allen hasn't even played two full seasons yet. And last year, 
he didn't even play a full season. That's pretty impressive when you look at that statistic. And certainly there's going to be more to come at this point because we're only halfway through the season. So he's still got a half season more to go. And with the way he's been progressing, you can't help but be excited about what's going to continue with this team. It's just amazing to see the transformation. And you also look at something like Sean McDermott, where at the beginning of the year, a lot of media were coming after him saying, well, Sean McDermott's on the hot seat, which to me as a Bills fan, I guess maybe I missed the boat somewhere here. And and maybe, by all means, feel free to comment, send me a message, email, whatever. Fill me in on what maybe I missed somehow. But I don't know how you can say that about Sean McDermott when he took the Bills to the playoffs for the first time in 17 years. And then last year wasn't fantastic by any means. Yeah, it regressed, but that was kind of to be expected. And then all of a sudden, people were like, well, he's on the hot seat. Really? I mean, I, I don't see how that was possible to begin with. And I'm just curious where that ever came from. But now you look at and he's on the verge of bringing this team to the playoffs again for the second time in three seasons. And this just goes to show where McDermott and Bean really say trust the process. And they have that idea. And they're continuing to put it out there. And it's working. And it's really exciting to see. you know. And, and we're still not getting the love that we really deserve, which is a little frustrating. But hey, you know, we've always kind of been an underdog. And you know what? There's something about being the underdog that makes it kind of fun. Because there's nothing more fun sometimes than playing the spoiler. So hey, you know what? If that's the way it's going to be, fine. These guys are going to continue to grind it out and do what they got to do and get the wins. I'm excited for the game this week. I think we're going to come away with a win. I'm happy to see the way Josh Allen's progressed. I think we're probably going to win this game 28-14 to is my suspicion. Hopefully I'm right. And with free agency, uh, it's also kind of interesting to see because free agency was a lot of... What was interesting about that this year is that I think everyone was really expecting us to go out there and get somebody else. Nobody really moved. And I was even surprised by this because I'm always waiting till the end of free agency till two o'clock, three o'clock rolls around and then everything just goes crazy. It's just it's just like a barn sale. Nothing ever happened. And I don't know if I think a lot of people were surprised by that this year. I certainly was. And I don't know if that's because teams were just either giving in where they were at this point or there wasn't options on the market that they liked. I'm not surprised AJ Green didn't move because he was hurt. I think he's still got a kind of a high tag. I'm glad that we didn't go after A.J. Green because he's still not playing at this point, and I don't necessarily think that that would have been the right fit. Melvin Gordon, I, you know, I'll be honest, I, I thought that might not be a bad consideration. Somebody could have gotten him probably for a song at that point. Now with the way he's been playing the past couple games, I think that's going to change his stock for him for the better. Uh, he certainly did not help himself with the holdout this year. I think he realized that was a failed experiment, and I think that's a lesson to other players. It's not always the best thing to do when you think you're going to make yourself better by holding out. Devontae Parker, I thought, would have been an interesting option from the Dolphins. I know they were looking to try and move him, and they were trying to get rid of some pieces. I don't know if they would have considered moving him to the Bills. I do like him. I think he's a good receiver. Uh, I think we could have gotten him for probably a maybe third, fourth round draft pick. But what I do like is that Beans flat out said, we didn't want to make any rash decisions. We're we're going to build our team through the draft and there's something to be said for continuing the way they're doing this which is working with what you've got you know you send a message to your players and saying look at you guys are winning we're comfortable with what we have and we think we have a recipe for how to win and we don't want to mess with that dynamic as a player i think that says a lot because it shows the confidence that the owners that management has in you and the belief that they have in you that you can do the job and what you've got is going to do it and I think that's where you get guys buying into the system. And that is a key thing. Um, I talked about this with the guys from Blitz Football and with Josh Allen. It's the persona. It's, 
you know, being able to believe in what you're selling. And Bean and McDermott are selling these guys on saying, and even the fans for that matter, you know, we have a process in place. We're going to stick to that process and it's going to work. And we're seeing the fruits of that labor. You know, we're six and two and we're continuing on an uphill trend. It's very, very likely. And if we continue this way, we've got a really good chance to make the playoffs, be it a wild card or game against the Patriots all of a sudden has some serious implications in the AFC East. Not to mention the game against the Ravens is now going to be all of a sudden a very important game for the Bills if we continue winning. That very well could come down to the game when we play the Patriots that might make or break our both of our seasons. It's, uh, it's really interesting to see kind of what they've done and how they've gone about doing it. I'm also kind of happy they didn't do anything because we didn't give up any draft picks. We have a ton of cap space next year and a ton of draft picks. Right now, next year, we've got $90 million approximately in cap space and nine draft picks. I mean, that's a lot. And that's for a team right now that's 6-2. and two. So we have the money and we have the draft picks to make a lot of moves. And be it we use some of those draft picks to move up into different slots if there's guys they really want. Um, But we certainly have the money to go out there and make a splash if we feel we need to next year for some more complimentary pieces to Allen. If you're all in on Allen and they've made that very clear that they are and they're going to go out there and continue to build around him, well, boy, they're really setting you up for success. And if he continues to progress the way he's been progressing at this point, we're really in for some exciting years ahead as Bills fans. Getting back to where we've been hoping they would be and to see this team really excelling. So it's going to be fun times ahead. So the last thing I want to talk about tonight is a piece that was done earlier this week by my friends over at Blitzed Football. And if you haven't followed them on Twitter, you can find them at Blitzed Football. Uh, You can also follow them on the Big Play Sports Network. So if you get a chance, check them out. But they did a piece this week for the Blitz Bills uh, talking about do sexy wins matter. And coaching stats brought up a lot of good points. The Bills, they know how to stick into games, and they have the opportunity to win games. You know, even when they were behind against Miami at halftime and they were getting booed, they came back and they won that game. They grinded that game out, and they managed to put Miami away at home. And that was not an easy game for them to come out of because that's one of those teams, you know, you go and you expect to win it. It it, it turns into a trap game. And they talked about how they're not a sexy Kansas City-type team where you can put up 50 points at will. And they're not. They're not going to do that. They're not built for that. And that's fine because that's not the way that they play their football. Every team has their own personality as far as how they're built. Uh, The Patriots are very methodically built, and I hate to mention them, but I will. You know, if you look at them, on paper, a lot of times, they don't have the biggest names in the world, but they continue to win no matter who the personnel is because they build that team around Tom Brady. He's got those complimentary pieces, as we talked about earlier in this podcast. You find guys that fit into the spots that you need, and they know how to do what they need to do. These guys are very good at playing tight games and grinding it out. And when you're put in that position... You become comfortable at it. One of the best pieces of advice I got was from my first boss. He told me is to become comfortable in uncomfortable situations because it's so true. You're going to be stuck in situations sometimes where you're not comfortable. And you're never going to be 100% comfortable. But if you can learn to handle it and to address it and to turn it into a strength, you can go a long way. And I think that's what the Bills have done this year. They've turned the games that they've had to grind out or come from behind into a strength and that has I think helped them significantly if you've looked at the way they've played and that's going to go a long way for them come the end of the season or the remainder of the season at this point and possibly most likely the playoffs because you've got to be a team that knows how to grind it out because you very well may be trying to come from behind again 
or you may be in the fourth quarter down by two points, and you've got to be comfortable going into that game trying to grind out that win. And there's teams that can't do that. There's players that just melt down because it's too stressful for them. They can't handle it. And the Bills aren't like that. They're comfortable with it because they've had to do it enough this season. And I'm not saying that's a good attribute to have. You don't want to necessarily be in that position. But if you can do that and you effectively manage that, then you can be successful. And I think they've done a good job of doing that. And I think they will continue to be good at doing that if they have to. Hopefully that's not the case, and as the cylinders keep clicking, as we've seen with Josh Allen's performance, Devin Singletary, and now we start to get that team and that offense ramped up a little bit more. I'm hoping this doesn't become an issue that we constantly have to see every week. But the good thing to know is if it does seem to happen, for whatever reason, that these guys can handle that and know what they're doing. I want to say, hopefully, everyone has a great weekend. If you're traveling to Cleveland this weekend for the game, please be careful. Take your time. Have a great time. Represent the Bills. Have safe travels home. We look forward to hearing from all you guys and your feedback on this first episode. More to come later this week for the next episode. We're going to have a couple of those polls out there, so please be sure to give us your feedback regarding that, and we'll let you know when this gets released on some additional media outlets. Please subscribe and continue the great feedback and support. We thank you guys sincerely for all of that. So in the meantime, have a great weekend. Enjoy the game on Sunday. Let's go Buffalo and beware the stampede.